Uh, the invention of plastic revolutionized uh, the world in uh, many ways. And while it has been helpful, as we've seen, plastic waste is also extremely harmful to the planet. It's not just plastic, but also microplastic. A recent study uh, found the average person eats about five grams of microplastic in a week. That's about the weight of a credit card. So it would be a nice if there was an alternative out there. And that could sometimes be easier said than done. However... There is some good news on this. Uh, There is a new development from Western researchers that could be a game changer. They have developed a new biodegradable material made from hemp. To talk about this, we're joined by Western University chemistry professor Elizabeth Gillies. Uh, Appreciate the time today. Yes, hi, good morning. So uh, why hemp? Well, actually, this um, was a collaboration that we did with a company out in Vancouver called CTK Bio. And what they're interested in doing is basically taking waste products or things that would otherwise end up in the landfill and using them to make biodegradable plastics to replace some of the conventional plastics in packaging applications in particular. So when people are thinking about this, should they call it a plastic? What what should they call it? Yeah, this actually really is a plastic. Um, So what we were doing is actually taking hemp powder and blending this with a actual plastic-like material that we prepared in our laboratory. So uh, just maybe if you could expand what you've uh, developed here, you kind of touched upon it there. Uh, pardon me, sorry? So just in terms of what have you, what you've, you kind of touched upon it, but what have you uh, developed here? What have, maybe you could ex- expound on that. Right, so this is actually a, a composite material, and a composite material has two components. Um, these are actually blended together in the processing. And so we have the two components. One is the, the hemp powder, which is basically ground up um, hemp stock, which would otherwise be a waste material. And then we have a biodegradable polymer component as well, which, as I said, it it behaves more like a plastic. And this is something that we synthesize in our lab, but which could ultimately be scaled up to large-scale manufacturing. Um, And then we worked with a collaborator in mechanical and materials engineering, Aaron Price. And so they actually do extrusion of plastics um, and, you know, melt processing. And so in this process, we actually blend these two materials together um, and then when they come out, it, it comes out as, um, yeah, what's called a, a composite material. So it has two components, and each of those components provides their own different sort of favorable properties. That's really interesting. How does it, um, you know, how does it compare to plastic in terms of cost? Well, this is something that I would say is one of the main challenges these days in transitioning to more biodegradable plastics. Um, These materials, I mean, the the hemp component is basically free. It's a waste product. But the other component we do need to make, and currently these are more costly than, you know, typical plastic that you find making up your shampoo bottle or something like that. Um, But, you know, there is a big push in industry these days to move more towards biodegradable-based materials. And so often it's it's a situation of economies of scale. And so when you can make things on larger scale, the cost tends to come down. And and so I think that's the hope as we transition to these materials. It's really, you know, kind of exciting to have something like this. Why do you think uh, some uh, products in the past have maybe uh, uh, failed in their ability to displace plastic uh, from from its position? 
Yeah, there are a couple of reasons for that. I mean, one comes down to properties. So I don't know if you remember um, a number of years ago, this uh, company that made Sun Chips, um, they made a degradable, basically it's like potato chip bag. Um, and this was like super noisy, super crinkly. And, you know, it's just one example where sometimes these new plastics don't quite have the same properties that we want as the old plastics. And so that's something that actually there's been tremendous progress on in, in the plastic research area over the last couple of decades. And so we, we understand more and we are able to, to start to really achieve the same properties as some of the conventional non-degradable plastics. And then the other aspect, um, of course, as I mentioned, is the cost. Um, and so I think it depends on the product that you're producing. So, I mean, if you want to make just the disposable plastic shopping bag, you need it to be very cheap. Um, but what we were targeting initially is is things like um, packaging for cosmetics, where, you know, this is a high markup product. People may actually be willing to pay a little bit more to have something that is packaged in a degradable container. And, and so we view this as a kind of nice entry point into into the market. How long would it uh, take for this uh, product to, uh, to, to, to biodegrade? Um, well, we haven't tested that in the environment yet. The target was to have something that would break down in, in a few months. Um, now, of course, it depends a lot what that environment is. You know, if it's sitting in, in an area with a lot of water, um, that can sometimes accelerate the degradation. There are lots of microbes and things in the environment and soil that can help to break down plastic. Um, now, in the winter in Canada, everything is a bit slower, right? So it, it depends really where and um, what are the conditions in the environment. But the target would be to have something, you know, like a few months or a year, as opposed to, you know, 100 years or something, which would be the, the typical plastics. What do you hope comes next from this? What's next? Well, I think there is certainly still some tuning of the properties that that we can do. Um, we would like to maximize the amount of the hemp that's actually in the material because that actually facilitates the degradation. And as I mentioned, it's sort of a free or very inexpensive component of the product. Um, and then to think about, you know, how we could move to larger scale manufacturing of these materials. The, the hemp aspect of this, have people thought about this in the past? Because it sounds like a great idea. Uh, there might be some people out there kicking themselves that didn't think of this f- sooner. Yes, there there is actually. I mean, we are not the only ones working in this area. There's, there is a, a very much interest in degradable composite materials. And in particular, I mean, one of the useful components of hemp is something called cellulose. And I mean, this is actually found in, in lots of different plants. And so people have been researching for sure, you know, looking at incorporating cellulose into polymeric materials and how it can improve its properties. It, it's mainly our particular composition that, that is unique. Well, we'll follow with interest. I certainly appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much as well. That's Elizabeth Gillies, a Western University chemistry professor. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. 
I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.